Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our morning service. Whether you're with us here in person in the building or you're watching online. And if you're a visitor or a newcomer, a particularly warm welcome to you. Uh, do please stay behind for some refreshments afterwards. It'd be good to, uh, to get to know you a bit over a cup of coffee. Well, this morning we're continuing our sermon series in the book of Philippians. And one of the key themes of the book is that when we know Jesus, we can experience joy and even in the tough challenges of, of life. I know many of you are facing pressures and uh, difficult situations at the moment. But when Paul wrote this letter to the, the church in Philippi, uh, he was in chains in prison in Rome himself. And yet he was still able to encourage the Philippians by pointing them to Christ and reassuring them that he will achieve his purposes despite or even through our challenges. Because he is the king. He is Christ, the Lord. So let's have a moment now just of quiet to remember who it is we've come to worship. That we've come to worship him. A moment of quiet and I'll pray. Father God, we praise you that you sent your son into the world to establish his kingdom. And we praise you that his kingdom has grown and will continue to grow until he comes again. We praise you that the powers of hell will not overcome it. So Father, we pray this morning as we come together to worship you and acknowledge Jesus as Lord, as King of all the earth that you will renew our confidence in him, our confidence in the gospel, and fill us with joy so that we are able to see every challenge and every struggle in our lives as an opportunity to experience more of your grace and to give you the glory you deserve. Almighty God, you are generous in abundance. You've given to us gifts that we do not deserve. You've called us from death to life, granted us forgiveness through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, given us the Holy Spirit, made us your children. You've provided for us both spiritually and materially, and yet we fail to be thankful. We fail to rejoice in your goodness. We've ignored you and neglected to give you the praise that is due your name. Father, forgive us for our ingratitude. Give us eyes that see your hand at work in all areas of our life, even in our struggles. Enable us to realize that every good thing comes from you and deepen our gratitude that we might serve you with undivided and joyful hearts in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When we confess our sins, God promises to forgive us, and Psalm 130 assures us of God's grace and compassion. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. Amen. I'm going to uh, invite uh, John to come up and lead us in our prayers, uh, and then Helen Slaymaker, after the song, will bring us our Bible reading.
there's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 which says, as you help us by your prayers. So prayer is not vain repetition or meaningless ritual for the Christian. It's something that matters, something that counts, a real source of help because God answers prayer as we come to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. And if you're with me in this prayer, please at the end add a hearty amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving heavenly Father, we worship you as Lord of all. And we give you thanks that we come in the name of your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the privilege of helping by prayer. We want to pray this morning for those who are unwell and seek your help and blessing for them. We pray for Louise Ludlow, who is stable at the present and is hoping to go home. We pray that that might be possible and be a precious family time for them. We remember John Ismay. We thank you for the recovery he's making from surgery, though it's very slow and he feels very tired. Lord, draw near to him and meet his needs. We remember Rosemary Mortimer, who's not feeling at all well, who has a scan this coming Saturday, and pray for help and strength for her. We pray for Josh Chard, with his ear problem at the moment, who's hoping to get an appointment for a procedure on his ears before they fly back to Egypt on Wednesday. Lord, we pray that that might be possible. We thank you for them as a family, for the time they've spent with us. Watch over them and bless them, we pray. We pray, our gracious God, for those who care for the sick. Some of us here have to look after those who are unwell and to help and support them. Grant strength and wisdom, we pray, especially for those who care for elderly parents with the responsibilities and challenges that that brings. Our gracious God, we pray for those who are serving overseas. We pray for Renia and Simone Koo with their lads, Johan and Joseph. We pray your blessing upon them as they work with Wycliffe Bible Translators in Germany. We pray for this new role that Rene has as they serve four regional teams in North Africa. Grant help, good relationships, and much progress in Bible translation, we pray. We pray too for our brother Dave Green, as he leaves to serve with Wycliffe on Saturday the 30th of January. As he goes to Papua New Guinea, grant Lord a great time next weekend at his commissioning service. May he know your presence with him, your guidance for him, your blessing upon him in his service for you. Our gracious God, we pray for blessing upon the What's Life All About course on Tuesdays. Thank you for two sessions so far and for those who've come along. We pray for the session this Tuesday and for Colin as he leads that. We ask you to grant help for Friday Cafe 
on a Friday morning to have an effective ministry to provide warmth and friendship and fellowship and to get the gospel across to those who need it. And Lord, help us here this morning to hear your word when it's read to us and as it's expounded for us that we will respond to it and trust you and live for the praise and glory of your name. And we ask all these things in the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Helen Slaymaker is going to bring us our reading. She's at the back, so she'll read it from where she's sat. If you'd like to refer in your Bibles, it's from uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 18. So if you'd like to find the passage in your Bibles. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Uh, Let's uh, pray as we come to God's word together. Father God, we thank you for uh, the gift of your word. And we pray, Father, as we uh, listen uh, to it, uh, that we would be uh, shaped by it, uh, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would be transformed more into the image of your son. We ask this in his name. Amen. When you think about the the good news of Jesus Christ and how it might advance, what are some of the ways that maybe might come to mind when you think about that? How might we really see true gospel growth? Some people uh, might think that if we get the right people in positions of perhaps political power, then we'll make influence and impact uh, in the culture to make a difference. But as we know, politics, it can't change people's hearts. And then as we look at the the mainline denominations in the country, we realize that actually institutional power isn't as helpful as maybe we once thought it was. Maybe there's the thought that, well, if we get our non-believing friends to come to to large or huge Christian events, then hopefully they'll come to Jesus and we'll start a movement for Jesus. And as we heard earlier, events like Keswick and many others are really important things. They really are helpful for people. 
both for Christians to grow in the Lord and for non-believers to, to come to know Jesus. We should pray for our government as well. And we should also pray for large national denominations as well. But actually, as we see uh, the gospel grow in the land and in the world, actually the most common way that it spreads is in the most unlikely of ways. As well as we can and should plan, pray, strategize that the gospel would continue to spread, actually, it often doesn't spread through our grand plans. More often, it spreads through times of suffering. As God works through our weaknesses. Because as we carry on in our series in Philippians this morning, we'll see that the gospel will continue to spread. It will continue to spread as firstly we suffer for Christ. The gospel will continue to spread as we suffer for Christ. From verse 12 onwards, Paul turns from his thanksgiving prayer to the Philippians and their partnership in the gospel to addressing actually the current circumstances that he's in. Paul is under house arrest and he was arrested in Jerusalem and carried all the way back to Rome where he stays between 60 and 62 AD when the letter of the Philippians was written. And yet Paul's focus, it's not on being imprisoned, but instead it is actually on the gospel. As he says in verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. His point is to encourage the Philippians that their partnership in the gospel is not in vain. And that Paul's imprisonment has actually served to advance the gospel and not stop it. As Paul says, he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. The amazing thing is that Paul sees the Lord's hand in his life. As being in prison has allowed him to reach people that otherwise he would never be able to talk to. The palace guards, they were those people who were closest to Caesar. They were the people who would protect Caesar, or those they were also the people that would allow Caesar to remain or not. And they would have shifts, obviously, in, in looking after guarding Paul. And so he would have been able to speak to, to lots of them as they rotated throughout the day and the night. As despite the suffering that Paul had endured, being arrested and imprisoned for Christ, he could see that God was going to use him to advance the gospel through him. And you can imagine the scene, can't you? As Paul's sitting there in chains, he's reading his scrolls, praying to God, singing psalms of praise and joy to God, and the soldiers looking on and coming up to him and asking, why, why do you have so much peace and joy right now? You're in jail in a Roman prison. And you might even be executed. Why are you not despairing of what actually might happen to you? And yet, Paul, he, he grasped the opportunity that God had given him. As instead of despairing of his imprisonment, he spoke to everyone about the good news of Jesus. Caesar's chains released the power of the gospel. Caesar's chains released the power of the gospel. And it's true for us as well. 
as in our moments of weakness, in the places that God has put us, he has given us the privilege of sharing the hope that we have in Jesus. The hope that we have. Maybe it's in a hospital, at a hospital bedside. As perhaps maybe when health professionals or friends or other family come to visit either us or loved ones in hospital, we have opportunities to share of the hope, the peace, and the joy that we find in Jesus. No matter what happens to us. Maybe perhaps if we're in school and we are the only Christian in our class and people might make fun of us for it. And yet even in those difficult situations, as you live for Jesus, you have an opportunity to share Christ that nobody else has. Even in in those difficult situations, as we live for Jesus, it is an opportunity. Or perhaps if a neighbor shares with you how their, their marriage is breaking down, and in the heartbreak, you have the opportunity to share that God is our rock and our refuge and ever-present help in times of trouble. Or maybe in the workplace when a, a colleague is struggling at home with family or maybe just completely overwhelmed with work. As you listen to them, show them the love of Jesus and hopefully, Lord willing, a door opens that you would be, be able to share the hope of Jesus with them as well. As when suffering arrives either in our lives or in those close to us. We can know that God has placed us in the place that he has put us for a reason. It is not meaningless. God has placed us in a position to be able to speak of the hope of Christ in the darkness of life. Sharing Christ from a place of suffering points both non-believers to Jesus and it also encourages believers in their walk too. As Paul says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. As Paul continues to proclaim the gospel despite his suffering, it makes others grow in their boldness. As you can imagine that if a church leader like Paul was to be arrested and put in prison simply for sharing the gospel, it could make people fearful. It could make people quite timid of sharing the gospel. Some perhaps might even be suspicious of really why why is Paul in prison? Why has he been arrested in the first place? What's he really done? But Paul in writing his letter to the Philippians says, no, I'm in chains for Christ. It's actually not just hindered, but it has helped the advancement of the gospel because of my chains. As you can imagine, can't you, if someone like our dear Nathan, with his baby face, was arrested and put in jail simply for being a Christian. You can imagine what perhaps some people might think. But the jailers might just complain about how he just keeps singing songs about how long and high and wide and deep is the love of Jesus and showing them all the actions. But as other Christians hear of someone like that and their boldness for Christ, then it would embolden them to share the gospel too, wouldn't it? Because as we make sacrifices for Jesus in life, 
others will be encouraged to do the similar thing. Which is why we want to encourage one another about what God is doing in our lives. As we are emboldened to speak and live for Christ. And we see that in so many people's lives in the church family at the moment, don't we? We have Dave Green, who having never left the country until recently, is going to Papua New Guinea at the end of this month for two years to serve the Lord. We have Martin, who's connecting with colleagues at work, doing a a Christianity course, and then being able to have meetings with other people, both believers and non. We have those people who are inviting people to the What's Life All About course on Tuesday night. We have people who are inviting others to lunchtime talks in the city as they hear something of Jesus. We have others who are connecting on a Friday morning to pray for one another in their workplace, that they would be able to encourage one another to live for Jesus in the place that they have put them. And we have others who are taking the the bold step of asking people to read the Bible with others, that they would do a one-on-one Bible study. Because when we boldly live for Jesus, when we share the gospel, we are dying to ourselves. Our old lives are put to death and we live a new life in Christ. We don't live for ourselves. We have a new life because Jesus has given it to us. He gave up all his rights for us. Dying in our place for our sins and raised to new life, conquering sin and death. So that today for, for those who believe, we would die to ourselves and live for Jesus. We live for the risen Lord who gives us life and breath and everything. And therefore we are bold for him. And we pray that his, his name would be lifted up in our lives. As the gospel will continue to spread, as we firstly suffer for Christ, and secondly, as we preach Christ, not ourselves. Paul wants to encourage the Philippians that it's, it's not about him, it's about Jesus. The problem is not that some people are preaching uh, the gospel at Philippi, but that they're doing it with the wrong motives. As he says, it is true that some people... That some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. The issue is not that the people there are preaching a false gospel. It's that their heart motivations are all wrong. One group in the church, uh, they want to preach the gospel out of love for Paul uh, as he helped to plant the church in Philippi, which we read about in Acts chapter 16. And so they love him dearly because he, he's the one that founded it. He's the one that planted the church. But then the other group of people, well, they just want to preach the gospel for their own gain as they preach out of envy and rivalry. We're not really told exactly why it is, Maybe they're envious of Paul and his uh, gathering big crowds. Or they just want to cause problems for Paul so that they would get some of his followers as well. Perhaps they're envious of the fact that he is an apostle and they are not. And this is why he talks about their selfish ambition. As they think it's their chance. Now that Paul's away, in prison, out of the way, then finally they have their opportunity to shine. 
Now they can make a name for themselves. As elders as the church, in the church here, we've been reading through a, a book called uh, Lead by Paul Tripp. And in it, he speaks really continually throughout the book about the fact that, that 95% of the qualifications listed for a church leader are about godly character. As you read through 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1, the things there listed are mainly about character. Elders and pastors should be able to, to teach but character is paramount because gifts are never more important than graces. Gifts are never more important than graces. People look at the outward appearance, but as we've heard this morning, God looks at the heart. And God wants our hearts, not our gifts. What we do is important, but how we do it is even more important. Because ultimately, it's not about us and our agendas. It's about Christ and his gospel. As Paul says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or good or or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Paul's point is, is not to overlook ungodly behavior. He says, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition in chapter 2 later on. His point here is that the people might think that they're causing him grief by doing what they're doing. But if the gospel is preached, he says, I'm happy. Because it's not about me and my ministry. It's about Christ and the gospel. The focus should be on Christ and not the preacher. As he echoes the words of John the Baptist, really, who says, he must increase and I must decrease. You might perhaps even hear people say before someone comes up to preach, Lord, hide the preacher. Because it's not about me. It's about Christ. On a personal note, as I look to move on in just under two months or so to a church in London, My prayer is is not so much that you would remember me, but that from my time here, your hearts would have been stirred, that your affections would have been warmed for Christ. Because the point is, as a minister of the gospel, I'm not a big deal. But Jesus Christ is. Only when we realize and even admit, actually, that God doesn't really need need us, that we are all expendable, but that in his grace he chooses to use us, can we really be used by the Lord? Only when I get over myself, forget myself and my own self-importance, can God really use me as a vessel for him. As it's the Lord's work, it's not mine. As Paul says in verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. As just like Paul and Timothy, we are but servants. Servants in Christ and servants for Christ. So let us remember that actually he doesn't really need us, but that he delights in using us because we are his servants who are in Christ. As we recognize it's, it's all God's work in our lives as we seek to give him glory in the things that we do. It's all 
God's grace at work in us. As we think about maybe the past few weeks, I don't know what you've done over the, the Christmas holidays. It seems like maybe a, a lifetime ago. Um, we had uh, both sides of the family over and we had enough food to choke two horses, I think, not just one. Uh, but above that, uh, besides that, we also watched a few movies. Uh, we obviously watched Home Alone and I managed to convince my wife to watch the other Christmas classic, Die Hard. <laughs> It's definitely a Christmas film. Uh, and so, uh, so we watched a few movies. We, the other movies we watched, the other movie we watched, I should say, was Batman Begins. And in it, there's a scene where Batman has done all he can to prove himself to his love interest, Rachel, as he seeks to try and save Gotham City. And at one point in the movie, quite a significant scene, actually, he turns to her and says... It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. But friends, if we live our lives under that kind of motto, we'll have problems. If it's what I do that defines me, then if I'm leading a ministry and it's going really well, I will be tempted to be proud of all my work. Or if it's going poorly, I'll be tempted to despair or even domineer because it's not going the way that I think it should. Or outside the church, if our work defines us, then we might begin to believe the lie that actually we are indispensable and irreplaceable. Or we might feel that actually, if we're not performing like other people in our workplace, that not just only are we failing at our work, but actually we are a complete failure ourselves. Maybe if we're at school and we think that we'll be more accepted by the grades that we get, then we need to really work so hard that actually we fall into a pit of anxiety because everything is pinned on that. Or if we feel like we're not really doing well, maybe as a, a young mum, maybe a, a dad, a husband, a wife, then we will seek ways to, to prove ourselves, either in our achievements, our promotions, or yet even more commitments. And yet wonderfully, in the gospel, it's not what I do, but what Christ has done that defines me. It's not what I do, but what Christ has done that defines me. I am in Christ. You are in Christ. Loved by God the Father and kept in him. Wrapped in his arms. Christ is in me and I am in Christ. My life is not about me. It's about Christ and his glory. I am in Christ and therefore I am new, free, loved and secure in him. Today now in Christ, I can share the gospel, not from a place of guilt, but from grace, emboldened and full of joy in any circumstance in life, even in the dark moments. And just like Paul, I can rejoice as the gospel continues to go forward, as I realize that my life is not about me, it's about God and his glory. As we 
Think about the psalmist in Psalm 115 who says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. And we thank the Lord that we have all these things by grace through Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that even in the darkest of times that you use our lives for your glory, that we can be used by you to tell of your, your goodness and your faithfulness to us because of the hope that we have in you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and towards you, to lift them up to you, that we would be able to walk in the freedom and the joy that you give us. Help us, Lord, to delight in the fact that we are in you, that that is our identity, not in what we do. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've been uh, encouraged uh, this morning. Um, If God has spoken to you directly about some aspect of your life and you'd like to pray about that, do please take the opportunity um, to do that with brothers and sisters here. Uh, There is a prayer ministry team that will be over in this corner. Um, but feel free to speak to Colin, myself or Sarah or Liz, um, or maybe just the person sitting next to you. It would be great to, to pray into to these things that affect each one of us. Um, do please stay for some refreshments. Um, we'll be in the back hall afterwards. Don't forget to pick up a copy of the book. And please come back here again at 6 o'clock this evening when Sarah will be continuing the sermon series in the book of, of Joshua. As Sir Colin said, the gospel... It's not what I do, but what Christ has done that defines me. And it's because of that we therefore can go from here, focused on him. Let me close with the words of our verse for the year. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Oh,